Hey, what's up, guys? Before we jump into the pod, wanted to check and see, have you signed up for the Blue Wire newsletter yet? If not, now is the perfect time. If you sign up, you can win prizes every month, like gift cards, free merch, and cold hard cash. In celebration of American Prodigy's third season, you can win some sick Blue Wire merch. Sign up today and immediately be entered to win. Link in the description below. Now, back to your regularly programmed schedule. This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As is your host, Brandon, joined by my host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, it is the Crystal Palace match review that we got going on here. Going to be a good one. I'm saying that in hopes of tricking Nick, our listeners, into staying around for this one because, whoa. Nothing like an away day at Crystal Palace, am I right? Oh, man, I love that. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> Just manifest it in the world. Uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting one, at least, to talk about. No no shortage of talking points, Dan. It's a win for the champions of the world. Come on. Uh, you, can't, you can't be anything other uh, okay. than happy. Okay. We can. Watch me. Watch me be. Watch me. Dan. And the listeners turned off. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we're going to bring in uh, a little extra insight, uh, a little extra expertise this time. We've got Will Dalton joining us, uh, longtime Chelsea fan from across the pond. Uh, long overdue, obviously, Will. We've been communicating, <laughs> engaging for years, but uh, here you are. So welcome to the pod debut. Thanks very much, Brandon. It's great to be here. It's great to be on. Yeah, look, obviously working in the football world. You hardly get a minute, a minute's break, um, but uh, it's great to be able to touch base with you guys and talk all things Chelsea and um, that game that was on yesterday. Right. That so game. that game. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, well, I guess, like, give us a quick background, like, how'd you become a Chelsea fan, and then kind of what are you up to these days? Do you get to the matches often? Kind of high level. Well, I grew up in Ireland, and back in the early '90s, it was very rare for many Chelsea fans to exist over here. But we went through the whole period of 88 and the European Championships of Ireland and 1990 World Cup, which was obviously a huge experience. And I was just starting to begin to play football. And I thought it was really boring that everybody in Ireland supported Liverpool or Manchester United. So my mum said to me, listen, you know, well, who's your favourite player? And it was a guy called Andy Townsend. And he was at Mm. a club called Chelsea. And that was, they were on on a Saturday afternoon, literally, I think after we had that conversation, I got a shirt for my birthday about a couple of weeks later, and that was it. Um, I stood out because, as I said, Chelsea finished 14th every season, um, and that's where it was. And then, obviously, we went into the great period with Glenn Hoddle and Ruth Hollett and Viali and all. Uh, and then I ended up working for the club, which was great. Um, I moved to London back in 2000, uh, I think it was 2008, and ended up working for Chelsea TV for pretty much a decade from 2010. Um, so it was a bit of a, a bit of a dream come true living down the road, walking up to Stamford Bridge where our studio was, um, still is, and uh, working there. And then decided after a decade in London, kind of to to make the change, come home. So still getting over whenever I can. Obviously, pandemic allowing. Um, but yeah, watching probably more than ever really because when you're a little bit detached from it, then you you know you don't have to cover all the teams in London. So, uh, yeah, that's where I am now, back working in Ireland. Hey, Nick, see if Will's got any dirt on Lee that we could use. Yeah, we need to have a quick <laughs> conversation about Lee Parker after the show. Um, oh, I've, I've got tons. I've got tons. <laughs> there's there's no it. way there is dirt on that man in any <laughs> capacity. What I, a, I, I, I just the loveliest man of all disagree time. Come on. with any premise that starts with dirt on Lee Parker. <laughs> but for real, we'll talk after. <clears throat> so. Yeah, j- just in case, Dan, you know, we got to cover our bases. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, we're going to be talking about the one bright spot in attack. There should be no surprise there who that person is. We're going to talk about the continued tacking questions uh, that are missing some answers. And then uh, subs and game management, because that always is a fun game to play, especially post-Club World Cup. So uh, to kick it off, Dan, let's get a temp check of everyone. How are they feeling after this massive victory against massive a rival victory. top six team, <laughs> <laughs> Palace? So three-word match review. Well, we got a bunch of good ones today. I think you got Ben with discount double Zesh. That's a State Farm ad, discount double check. That's it's a good one. Uh, Kaylin with the more like pal ass. Uh, Mr. Thurman <laughs> with on. big dick synergy. Um, you had RJ with the crystal clear problems. Team on the drugs with ZS, 
Eagle Precision, AJ with the Ref Lukonka Cafe, you had Claire with the Hakim Has Huspa, and then uh, one of our wonderful Patreon slash Discord members uh, had We Got Engaged and uh, sent us this lovely photo of uh, him and his uh, new fiance getting engaged on some powdery slopes after some skiing. So uh, congrats to uh, to Grizz. Good to All right. It's awesome. Congrats, guys. That is uh, well uh, beyond the excitement in front of what looked like Olympic rings as well. So, I mean, Grizz, you're going to have to Salt Lake, to maybe? fill us oh. in. Yeah. Oh, uh, huge congratulations to you. Obviously, recently engaged myself, and it's an exciting yet stressful time. So anyways, our three-word match reviews, I put midfield maestro needed. I think we need a Fabregas back in the side to unlock the attack. Uh, that will probably be the hill I die on this year. But Dan, what about you? Spell over Selhurst. Hakeem okay. cast a spell at the end of the game. Won it. Done. All right. Nick, what about you? That wasn't enjoyable. No, you're supposed to update it from the last one. I didn't need to. <laughs> okay. Didn't need to at all. Goodness. Will, what about you? It's three points. Clean, right simple, easy right to understand. Uh, look, I love it. Dan, Unforgettable, just like the game. <laughs> uh, we're going like to be diving. ice cream. <laughs> we're gonna, look, guys, we're going to dive into this one, right? We're going to find some ways to, to make it interesting, to bring out some of the topics. But first, Dan, we do have a couple more five-star views in the Apple Podcast platform. We have Kim from Denmark leaving a wonderful five-star view in Apple Podcasts along with Lo Ku from the United Kingdom. Both leave wonderful five-star views in Apple Podcasts and shouting out their uh, fellow Danish and UK supporters there. And on Spotify, up to 681 five-star views, which is pretty uh, astounding. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think people even in you know, protesting Spotify are finding ways to go leave five-star reviews on there for us. So uh, thank you very much. We super appreciate it. And it's a great way to help connect us with potential listeners so uh, we really appreciate that it makes us feel warm inside right? warm hearts you know we feel good it's cold where we live and it's nice so thanks all right um well let us go ahead and jump into the match review it was crystal palace this past 19th of february it is in the premier league at selhurst park where we've been unfortunately the scoreline in case you missed it crystal palace nil chelsea won uh, the goals from Hakim Ziyech in the 89th minute assist from late sub Marcos Alonso. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kick it over to the fifth stand for the highlights. Give a quick recap of what happened. Should be short and sweet, but thank you to this club for letting us use the highlights and go download the fifth stand app, the only official Chelsea FC app, if you haven't. Here we go. He's found Olise. Dangerous and nippy. And he's just put it wide, but not by much. Fabulous feet, isn't it, by Olise? Great ball forward by Jeffrey Slug. Once every couple of months he goes for one of them, Tony Rudiger. I have did the job, or it's opened up here from Golo Conte. Great chance, out of nothing. Point blank, but straight at Guaita. And another chance goes begging. Alise started the half with a chance. He plays the half through here. Tight angle. Palace fans thought it was in, and maybe the rest of us did too, right at the end of the half. Kovacic. The injection could still be on the bench, but Kovacic and Alonso both involved here, having barely had a touch since coming on. Alonso's cross is deeper. Yeah. He's done it round the back, CS, and surely this one's going to count. You felt he was the most likely match winner for the Blues. Good sense it was going to come from him, yeah. It's weird. Now Zaha, look out though, look out! Oh, it's just wide, much like the Elise effort in the first half. Wilfred Zaha, a whisker away from a late equaliser to Chelsea's late opener. He's done brilliant, hasn't he? And that's the danger. Job done. Final score at Selhurst. Palace nil, Chelsea won. All right, so Dan, now that we heard what happened and a lot of what didn't happen, uh, run us through the lineup. Uh, this one says 4-3-3. The app says 3-4-3. I think I heard a little bit of a 3-4-2-1. I mean, what, what are we four, doing here? 4-1-4-1, four, one, four, one, I think, was <laughs> how Tuchel said it what at is, the end. What is a lineup but a, 
amorphous blob of 10 outfield players and one goalkeeper because it was uh, champions of the world, uh, all of them in order. Uh, Edouard Mendy between the sticks. It was Saar, Rudiger, Christensen, and Silva as your defense, along with Jorginho Conte and Pulisic playing at a 10. You also had Lukaku, Ziyech, and Havertz as your forwards. Kepa, Chalaba, Kennedy, Saul, Harvey Vale making an appearance back on the bench again, and Timo Werner uh, passing fit enough to be on the bench, but not to get into the match. It was Marcus Alonso, Mateo Kovacic, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek who did make an appearance as a triple sub. That's right, a triple Thomas Tuchel sub in the 74th minute. Wow. I, I mean, I think that's, that's is, that, is that the away. first time? A, a triple sub from Tommy I, T? It was it was literally like ninety seconds after I put in our WhatsApp. Is he not going to make any changes? So <laughs> it was, you manifested it, was, it again. You're so good at this. I am truly excellent at it. Yeah. Huh. Uh, some of the top line stats were Chelsea with fifty seven and a half percent possession. We had nine shots, but only three on target. To Palace's seven shots, but none on target for them. So good defensive day out. Um, we had 16 clearances there, 18. They had 22 tackles, our 17. We had four corners apiece, three offsides there, one, three yellow cards there, one. And we conceded 20 fouls to their four. Uh, Jorginho was on one the other day. <laughs> uh, at Kaylee underscore graphics, uh, the XG map, uh, Ziyech rescued it, but not a lot in this one. Chelsea with a 1.0 to Palace's 0.7. And again, 0.7 is probably a little generous, Will, seeing that they didn't have any shots on goal. But between the stats, XG, lineup, what kind of stood out to you right away um, as this match kind of kicked off? Well, in the first 15 minutes, it was pretty obvious to me because I looked at the, the starting lineup and I just thought, they're here for a point. They're here for nothing else. But a point. They know Chelsea are going to be tired. They're going to try and use Wilf to maybe, you know, try something on the break. But they are looking at this game as this is a bonus point for us if we take it. Nice, solid home draw against a competing side. They were hoping we were going to be a bit tired. And as I said, use the break. And the, the one thing that keeps sticking out to me, and I know you guys have talked about it and pretty much every Chelsea fan has, but there's no width. There's no width at all on our team at the moment. And when you play against a side like Palace, who set up the way they do um, with their tactics, you you can see how central they are at times. You need to drag that team out. You've been to Selhurst Park. It can be, it's a bit of a tight pitch. It's an old school ground, crowd are close to you. We needed to drag them out. And I feel that is a big root of all our problems. You know, it stems back from the wingbacks not having our first choice guys available or Marcus on the bench or whatever. So that was the big thing that stuck out to me. And I did think it was going to be a really tough day after about 10 minutes. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting point, Will, because there are times that when Ziyech is playing on the right, that he is literally standing on the sideline. <laughs> and yet there is no like urgency to come out and defend him because he's not, you know, I think he was actually really good yesterday for the most part and actually tried to go by people. But there isn't that like existential threat where they have to come out and go, oh, we better spread out and make sure that no one attacks from the, when Reese James is out there. It's a different story, right? Because you have a threat, but it, yeah, it's a really interesting point that you made there. But Nick as well, just coming from that, when you have a left footed player who is, couldn't be more left footed if he tried, you know, Arian he does not have a right foot. You know what he's going to do. Yeah. Ziyech is not really a, a Robin in that way. He's going to run at you and take it on you. He is basically going to come inside and he's going to try and put that ball into the box which again is something which really annoys me with Lukaku at times. There was one cross in the second half, which was a beautiful cross. He took it, took it down, took it on his left, looked up, pinged it right across the penalty area. And that to me is where your striker should be. I'm eating this for my dinner. This is my bread and butter. And there was nobody. It floated off out the back. Um, but as I said, that to me, Ziyech creates his own problem with that because that makes us just lopsided. And teams, if I'm a defending team, I'd love that. Yeah, hit me and hit, hit those balls into the box all day. So, well, that, that's a, a great transition as well because that's obviously where we're going to be starting. But before we get into that, I just wanted to clarify uh, you said old school ground. I would like to clarify it as medieval. All right. <laughs> going through that stadium. Because <laughs> it's punishment going there. Uh, <laughs> a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of stone, not, not a lot of uh, modern uh, building materials in there. But uh, no, it's a, it was a fun time to be there nonetheless. Uh, look, no one random stat, no NPET shit house moment of the match, unless you want to ad lib quick, Nick. 
I mean, there were people putting in a couple of little things here or there, but you know, again, it's the shithouse moments of the match are it's it's more of a vibe than anything uh, else. So I'd I'm like not... to submit an entry. Uh, uh, okay. We were talking to our friend uh, Ollie Glanville, who said that uh, the Crystal Palace supporters were uh, kind of chanting towards them with a VAR symbol uh, when the goal was ruled offside. Okay. And their shithouse moment at the end with the goal was that they did the VAR motion back to the Palace supporters uh, after the goal went in. So I think that was pretty shit. Good on them. I think we need a banter moment of the match. I think we need to make <laughs> more of these stats. Uh, but yeah, no, I... Again, more of a vibe check than anything. I didn't really, Yeah, there wasn't anything here that I was really pumped about. And then same, nothing really with the Joe Tweeds XB, the expected bodies, nothing there. And look, it's not official yet. Uh, we don't have any XLTUs. So again, that's just for Goodness Discord. Gracious. You keep it there. Uh, all right, Goodness hey, we're going to take our ad break. Uh, thanks to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. Obviously, it's what helps us keep uh, investing in more content like Blue Royalty, uh, stuff we're doing Tweeds and yeah. So we really appreciate it. Um, thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. Uh, Dan, on the, on the flip side of the, the ad break, we've got a Patreon update, which is exciting because Miller upgraded on a yearly basis, which I don't know if people know, you can prepay an entire year on Patreon and get a pretty healthy discount in return. Yeah, double-digit discount. Uh, discount doubles the ash, as, uh, as they're known now. Uh, you can get that. Plus, uh, we also have a bunch of pods coming out this week as well, too. We got a, a wonderful special on Abdullah's new book uh, about the Chelsea women's team. So We have an Nick author on the team. What in the world? Yeah. Who would have thought? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. And it's not um, me, which is good. <laughs> We had the uh, uh, we have a Leo match review coming up with uh, often requested guest Jenny Chu joining us back again. We've got Matt Law uh, for another update to start uh, start the week or end of the week rather, and then uh, we got the preparation for League Cup final. And uh, uh, also aforementioned uh, Ollie Glanville joining us for his uh, podcast. Two podcasts in the first in this week, so it's nice stuff. Oh, that'll be very very exciting. But uh, well, as you're saying. Uh, Ziyech, one bright spot in attack. No spoilers here. We all knew it from the beginning, but Ziyech rounding into form. Uh, so I'll set the stage here with the tweet from Squawk, as we usually do, breaking down his game by numbers versus Crystal Palace. 34 touches, 9 crosses, 7 duels won, which is a big stat for Hakim, if we're being honest. 7 ball recoveries, which means good effort defensively. Uh, 5 touches in the opponent's box. It was probably all in one play, knowing him. Uh, 4 take-ons, 3 tackles, 3 shots, 1 shot on target, 1 goal. Uh, could have been 2 if he was just about a foot on sides, which would have been nice. Uh, the Lukaku was off, not him. Oh, so, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, he Right spot, right time, but um, Will, again, we were talking about Hakim. He's on a bit of a good a run of good form. Um, so I'll let you talk to that. The only thing that um, our boy Zane put on Twitter was that, you know, um, uh, what do you say? That Hakim's like having the best run of form. I said, ironically, I don't know if he's having fun or not. Like when Ziyech is out there <laughs> and he scores and things, even during the match, he just looks like so annoyed at like everything going on around him. But maybe that's. He's that player that just has to build the chip on his shoulder to go perform. Because we've seen that from some players. They have to have something to, like, fight against in a match. Yeah, completely. I think this is really, I think, his first proper run of form we've seen him in, in a Chelsea shirt. He's been erratic, I think, to say the least. There was great hope for him when they signed him for my acts. I know Frank it was, it was a big fan and, you know, wanted to involve him more. But he just seems to have been a bit more of a a bit of a maverick player who just hasn't really fitted into the Premier League style. And obviously with his form being up and down, with players, you know, being uh, fully fit and having a fully fit squad, he wasn't getting a look in. And I think if that had continued, I think he would have been on his way this summer. Uh, he has had a look in, players dropped out of form, injuries, etc., And he's got momentum. He's been given, you know, starts. Um, what every player wants is continuous football week in, week out and trying to adapt to these conditions. And I suppose as well, a bit of a, a sense that one, the fans are believing in you and that the manager is believing in you. Three three games in a row now he scored. He has to be full of confidence. Um, but we need to see more from him, I think. You know, he has an incredible left foot. But we need to see those balls, as I said earlier, those crosses and stuff that he can provide, the creativity. You're talking about that person who can you know, find the gap. That should be Ziyech in ways. He, he is, you know, a creative player who should be able to create those openings for Lukaku. Um, and I still think that partnership, that um, sort of connection isn't there. 
And that what that kind of really worries me, I have to say. Um, I'm not sure. I'm still not convinced about his future long-term when we have a fully fit squad. Um, will he fit into the way Thomas Tuchel wants to play? I think the, the you know, the, the jury's still out a little bit on him. I would just say uh, on him, in a team that is desperate for any sort of like positive play moving forward right now with, I believe the number was 265 million pounds worth of, of attacking talent on the field yesterday. He looked like the only player that was willing to take a risk to try and make Mm -hmm. something happen. And whether you think that it's his, you know, talent or frustration or whatever the case might be that's like driving him forward. He was the only guy that looked like he was going to score for us yesterday. I mean, Pulisic had a god awful day. Lukaku has been non existent for a number of weeks now. Um, Kai was stranded on an island. And then the, you know, whatever kind of wing back winger system we were playing yesterday just simply wasn't advancing enough players forward. And the midfield was, you know, Ingolo Conte was ended up, you know, playing forward for some of the first half, which was interesting. I mean, like, it was just a mess. It was a complete mess up top. And I think that. Again, he's a player that I have not always been convinced by. Brandon has called him a luxury player in the past. Yeah. I, I would, over the last six-ish weeks probably now, he has looked like he did in preseason, which is a really positive thing. I think the last point I would make on this is uh, one thing that people underrate about Pulisic and Ziyech is their ability to, um, to uh, essentially follow play to the back post. Right. So the the goal that was chalked off yesterday, he's following Lukaku's shot and crashing the back post to try and put something in. And he did. Right. But Lukaku's offside. So it didn't count. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand about having these two players on the pitch at the same time is why is that not happening more? Like, why cannot or why can we not get players in positions to shoot? See if the goalkeeper makes a mistake and allows you to hit an easy tap in and on the, on the back post. Like it happens all the time in football. So I, I would like to see more of that. I would like to see him following in. Dan, I think that there's a huge opportunity for him there, and that's where he was really thriving in preseason was that back post kind of movement. But, I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about him after yesterday. Well, I mean, you did give him a progress report where you're like, here's the things I would like you to do a little bit better on as well, which uh, is fair. I think any player uh, in this this match probably gets a little it's bit. It's a shorter news. list than Lukaku's, I'll say it's, that. Yeah, fair. Um I mean, if you look at it now, so ZS is actually plus one on his total contributions, goals plus assists, all competitions uh, this season now per last season. So uh, he had uh, six goals, four assists in all competitions last season. He's at seven goals now, four assists. Uh, so a little bit of better uh, goals uh, per 90, which is nice, uh, 0.37 versus uh, 0.28. So like that's a little bit uptick uh, because other people can't finish. I think the uh, I'm, I'm not going to judge him as harshly on the <laughs> The assist quotient, I think that's maybe a little unfair, Uh, but also more of those goals are being scored. Um, You know, last season he had two in the FA Cup, uh, two in the Premier League. He had the the one in the Champions League Um, this season, obviously four now in the Premier League, which is great to see. So, I mean, that, that all of these are positive trend lines. And I do think, you know, you think about what's coming, right? You have Reese James coming back into this side. That's that's nice to see. Aspie obviously wasn't playing today. Like so, some of the people who would have had either overlapping runs or have caught you know freed up more space for potentially Ziyech to do a couple of those things that we talked about. Either uh, cut in and then have someone he could distribute out to the right, or uh, stay on the right and then distribute to somebody who is kind of running into the box, uh, either on the ground or with a cross, would have been available. Brandon and so like the the positive trajectory of Ziyech coupled with who we know is coming back from a health and fitness wise on that right hand side, I think is all you know, promising in combination. The hardest thing for me with this is, is like, I think Will's point, right? This summer, I think there's going to be a lot of moving parts in and out of the club where finally Tuchel's going to be able to, um, I think make some, some real changes to the squad and shape it in a way that he wants. And, you know, after the match, Tuchel had the quote talking about Ziyech was saying, 
Um, we switch systems late. If we play in a back four, a 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one, with a right winger position, this suits Hockham very best. He said the position was not available from the start in the final Club World Cup, so we took the tactical decision to play with the back three, so he did not leave us with the same position for Hockham, so he came from the bench. So it really is going to come down to next season what kind of a formation style Tuka wants to play because he said if they can essentially create an overload where Hockham can stay all the way on the sideline uh, and kind of find pockets of space to be a ball creator. But if not, like the back three, if they want to pursue with that, there's really not a spot for him. So it, it's just going to come down to to that. And I think if Reese and Chilwell were still healthy, I don't know if Hockham Zia should be doing as well as he has. So if anything, it probably is a blessing that we've had uh, Ziyech around uh, post-injuries to, to be the creator um, because obviously Malang Sar is not a Ben Chilwell. Like, and that's no slight on him because he's a hell of a lot better of a defender. Um, it's just a lot of chopping and changing this season has affected the attack more than anything. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. But In what sense? Continue. That he's a better defender? He's just simply not. Oh, you're I mean, saying he's, he's, a, he's better a as a player, defender. But I mean, this is a like Ben Chilwell is an excellent left back, left wing back. There's, you say sorry, no, is better as a defender than an attacking contributor, right? Was that what you were trying to say? I'm saying like defensively, like he's like a center back. He's rock solid, strong. You're not getting around him. Chilwell is now attack first, defense second. Like again, he's much more of a versatile player. No, whatever. Listen, I think we're we're talking about chalk and cheese there because they're two different positions and there are two different moments in their career as well. The lines. He's a kid, you know, he, he's still learning his trade, but where he played yesterday for me is completely out of position for him. Well, not completely out of position, but definitely not his strong point. And I thought that was one of the problems too. We had no out, outlook on that left-hand side. We, we have no, no. Uh, rhythm or our power going forward down either wing. As I said, Hackett's not going to get down and trouble the right back. He's going to look, take that ball down, beat a man, and then ping it into the box from you know that lovely curling ball in. That's his strength. We're talking about tactics with him. I would actually quite like to see him, You know, if we play Lukaku up top and we have two in behind, one of those players be Hakim because I think he has that creativity. He has the touch. He has, has the vision to create. I think he needs to adapt to that role a little bit because I think when he played there before, he wasn't, we weren't getting the best out of him. And I think that was frustrating for him. But look, I know this might be a bit of a controversial thing, but I thought yesterday with the way Palace were, I think we got to be a little bit more, I don't want to say gung-ho, but a little bit more positive. Now, he's been out of, he's been out of most managers' plans in the past few years, but Kennedy is sitting on that bench. Kennedy is a bit gung-ho. He will get to the byline. He's fast. He's got a good left foot. <sighs> he's a bit hard to trust, I would say, for some managers. But I think against a team like um, Crystal Palace, where we need that dynamism just going down the line, because I think Lukaku is missing a bit of that as well, as in those balls into the box. We're not getting very many crosses in from kind of the byline, you know. Um, I, I think we gotta we got to throw a few wild cards in there because I think we're a little bit predictable. And I think yeah. teams know we're a little bit tired, a little bit out of form. They know what Lukaku's about. And he's just he's just not on the money at the moment. And, you know, so I, I just think we need to mix it up a little bit. So I'll just wrap on Ziyech real quick, and then that's exactly where we're going to go next. Um, so Statman Dave uh, tweeting that Ziyech has scored in each of his last three Premier League appearances. That's Brighton, Tottenham Palace, uh, finding a scoring form, which we've talked about. Um, but then Nick Ziyech had some post-match comments as well. Um, he seems to be fairly open and honest player um again i think it goes back to i don't i just don't think he really cares about a lot of things so like he's he's willing to say whatever um quote yeah. it was a difficult game with only a small number of chances then the best feeling to score in the last minute it can be difficult for players to adapt to something new but that is what we have to do as as players and be as professional as we can in the end is all about results of course it's hard but it's why you play football to win trophies. That is what we're trying to do. One, two already this season and still four to go. And I think they cut the recording off right before he said, why not us, actually? Yeah, 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 I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I know that some people, if you look at his post-match interviews, he doesn't really have a, he, he's not a warm person. I wouldn't characterize him as like a, you know, an overly smiley, effervescent type. He's a competitor. 
Like, yeah, but uh, like he's but I got appreciate a it. Mentality. He's got he's got an edge to him, and uh, I mean, look, you know, it'd be nice if more people kind of had that same level of care and frustration when things aren't going right on the pitch. That's that's kind of where I was going with that too. Like, I I appreciate the honesty. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather have a brutally honest assessment of of how things are going than this sugar coated version. Like we we all watched it yesterday. We all saw it. Like telling me that it's it's all good is, is clearly not the truth. So, you know, I think again, he's a, he's a player that I think expects a ton of himself, which is good and probably expects more of the people around him to, to match his level at the very least, you know, let, let's see what he does. Let's see if he becomes that kind of leader in the team. All right. Well, if we move on to, uh, continued attacking questions that need answers, um, you know, we've already spoken about Big Rom already in this one. Uh, so if we kind of focus on him, um, the damning stat that is making the rounds that we can unpack a little bit is um, the number of touches he had in the match. So add off to Joe tweeting seven. Uh, Romelu Lukaku had just seven touches against Crystal Palace, the fewest in a single Premier League game for a player with 90 plus minutes played since this data became available in full for the competition in the 03-04 season. One of those touches was from kickoff in the first half. Come on, Opta Joe. You didn't Quiet. need to throw that in there. Come on. <laughs> Context is key. <laughs> Come on. So, um, look, there have been Twitter threads about Lukaku. There have been, you know, very polarizing. People are still holding on to the, the interview, Dan, that was given to Sky Italia some months ago. Uh, look, he scored an important goal in the Club World Cup semifinal, um, scored in the final, um, or just the final. But anyways, um, he I scored both. Okay. Yeah. So margins, I would say, of the attack, right? You spend $100 million, you want him to be the focal point. He's getting the minutes. He's, you know, getting the opportunities. Um, he's probably doing just enough to not get completely um ripped apart by by most pundits and media but um i guess where are you at with the uh the big rom debate right now well i mean he's got when you factor in the club world cup what 10 goals across all competitions so that's a total of 28 matches played um he might struggle to beat timo Werner's goal and assist contribution that he had last season this season like that that's like where we're at with uh lukaku and i think part of it's on him Right. Like both things can be true. He can be struggling uh, in terms of his contribution on the pitch. And we also can be struggling to create. So, like, I think both of those things are not happening in disparate situations. Like he is a little static at times. Uh, there were one or two jumps in the box that I think maybe Will was talking about a little earlier where uh, he either missed time the jump or didn't we thrust up high enough to potentially even get on the get his head on the cross. Um into the box. Um, and, and, but then there's also not a lot of quick movement on some of these balls. Like we're, we're talking about Havertz kind of drifting far out wide. You know, does he make the pass in or not? Like it, it's just all very disconnected in a way. And again, part of it's on ROM. Because, I mean, even if the system doesn't suit you, you have to find a way to integrate with others. Uh, and then at the same time, our midfield combo yesterday of Conte and Jorginho were really struggling it was probably one of Conte's worst games in recent memory two in a row um and again you didn't have width on the side and so Ziyech was on an island Havertz was on an island you didn't really get them off and close together and you kind of need that ability to play off one another Nick I mean like there's there's a lot of things not going right in the attack Rom is a part of the equation but he's not the only issue with kind of converting or scoring goals but when you compare him to timo real quick timo was mainly assists lukaku definitely has more goals wouldn't you weigh the goals from a striker a lot higher than the assists from timo last season as you google it to double check your stats i see uh, i mean we, we won I mean, the champions league last season so i mean but, I am, i'm having a hard time but like wouldn't <laughs> like, you expect a, a striker a central striker you spend money on to score more goals and maybe provide more assists because i mean last year timo just got assist after assist after assist I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about Timo. He didn't even play yesterday. So I think the the point about Lukaku that I want to make is there was a thread um, that I saw that characterized effort, which I think is a big part of how we 
will evaluate Rom through the rest of the season, right? You know, it, we've had 20 million chances now to see our attackers in different variations and combinations play together. They are all struggling, right? Mason Mount had a really purple patch, you know, kind of October, November, December, you know, obviously is now injured. So he's, you know, not available. Uh, Timo has struggled all year. Pulisic has struggled all year. Ziesh really, you know, obviously got hurt in preseason, struggled, now is coming back. Lukaku had a really great three or four Premier League uh, games at the beginning of the season, had, you know, I think is is a pariah now. Kai has struggled all year. I mean, all year. He has not been on point. So you have all these players, and I think this is a collective frustration as much as it is with Lukaku because of his price tag and the stupidity that he's exhibited this year. Uh, but I did not see the effort yesterday from him. I did not see the effort to break away from, you know, an admittedly physical palace team. They are physical. They are strong. They are quick. Like this is not a, you know, I think I said in the, in the reverse fixture at the beginning of the season, that they would struggle to stay up. That's clearly not the case. I was terribly wrong about that. So, they're, they have some real athletes in the team, and, and I think have a system that will will trouble a lot of teams. But Lukaku did not show me anything like he was trying to be a part of the solution yesterday. Kai showed me more it, with less kind of opportunities to make an impact, but again, was still missing for a lot of it. Pulisic was terrible. I mean, like, all of this is bad and can't be held in a vacuum. It's not just him, like Dan said, performing up top by himself as a solo act, but... I don't know, Will. Like, I'm just not seeing a player who's dying to score goals right now, personally. Right. Well, Nick, let me first say, you know, take it easy on the whole Crystal Palace situation because I think you weren't alone in that. I think everybody thought Crystal Palace were going to struggle. I think they did very well with their signings. Their signings have adapted, mm -hmm. got into the system, and, and Vieira's had some good results. There's two points, I think, with Lukaku. The first one is if I'm a manager or coach, I'm always going to look at my starting 11 or my squad. I'm going to ask the question, what does that player offer me? And at the moment, Lukaku offers nothing. And that stat yesterday, when I was reading that stat about the touches, I was waiting for it to say of a player over such and such a value or something. I was waiting for something to kind of save him a bit. For that to be the, the lowest number of touches of any league, Premier League player, it's just horrendous. Um, I'll also take you back to a little story that um, I was told years ago. Um, I remember Lukaku joining and there was obviously much hope for the club that he was going to be the next big thing. Uh, great athlete, very intelligent. Um, and then he went on and he left. And I remember when he was at Everton and I was talking to a former Chelsea player who shall remain anonymous, but a guy who I would value his opinion very, very well. And at the time, Ronald Koeman was in charge of Everton. And I was talking to him saying, God, you know, it, it could be great to bring him back. He, he looks the real deal, exactly what we need, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, not a chance. I said, why? I said, Koeman's come out of the weekend and say, this guy, you know, could spearhead the Barcelona attack. You know, he said, and he said to me, why do you think he said that? He said, he wants to get rid of him. I said, why? He said, Koeman wants to get rid of Lukaku. He said, well, he's lazy. You watch him when he plays. He's lazy. Now, I didn't want to kind of, you know, take the negative on this. But seven touches for a Premier League player is shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And as you said, where's the effort? Now, when we look at Timo Werner and we look at kind of the, the you know, his Chelsea career, it kind of, we were all hoping he was going to be this goal machine. It hasn't quite turned out. But the thing I give Timo every single time is, when he puts, he plays five minutes or 50 minutes or 90 minutes for the club, he puts it in. He comes off that pitch and you know he's put in a shift. And we've seen that from numerous times of goals, of assists, which at times are just as important as goals. You need players. We're, we're not getting assists at the moment. We're not really scoring. We don't really look like we're scoring. We're kind of falling over the lines in matches. You know, again, being a bit controversial, drop him. We won the Champions League without him last year. Maybe we need to give him a little bit of time out of the limelight, give him a bit of a rest, put him on the bench. Timo, when he's back fit, get him back in, working with Kai, 
hopefully again with players coming back from injury we can mix it around a bit and give teams questions again oh they're not playing Lukaku now oh, what way are they going to line up because I think that's what we need to start doing is and I think with Lukaku I'll I'll, um, I'll be honest and I'll, I'll repeat it and I don't mind putting my neck on the line I wasn't a fan of bringing him back last year I thought it was the wrong decision and I said it on a, a, a in a, a different podcast I thought you know again hindsight is a great thing you don't want to be you know kind of praising yourself and stuff but if it was me last year I would have gone all out for Haaland or kept with what we had I didn't think Lukaku was going to work with the system we were playing um, I think Haaland has a much better future has much more about him puts in the efforts puts in what we want as a club um, and okay if it's going to literally break the bank you've still got an asset there which is going to be worth an awful lot of money but yeah that, that's my take on Lukaku I think drop them, let's mix things up a bit and uh, change around. It's kind of interesting. Obviously, Alan Shearer's been pretty defensive of him, but I think he's uh, in the striker union as we have a goalkeeper's union, you know, trying to uh, cover his fellow uh, leaders of the line and attack. Uh, look, CFC Daily put out the all the stills, right? And essentially put out a really big defense uh, thread of Lukaku. And then at the very end, what I was uh, thought it was obnoxious was then compared it to well Kai's not doing enough that's not the point right I think like there's no point in putting out this this these big long player threads and then comparing them at the end to another player that's underperforming the whole attack is underperforming but like you 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 can't tell me that this is just as simple as oh play him the ball he will score we've played him the ball quite a bit this season and he has not scored uh, if it's not on his head, there's it, it, it just hasn't come off uh, as far as like scoring with his feet this season. So, again, I think that that's a, a bit ridiculous. I again, Brandon, still just think, on that point, yeah, just let me barge in. You know, like we talk about great players, we're talking, you know, we're talking about a hundred million pound striker. You should see that striker, whether he's in form or out of form, having a moment of magic every so often, putting a ball into the top corner. You know, we've, we saw it with Drogba. He would be out of form and then all of a sudden he would take you down and lash it into the top corner. <sighs> Struggle to think of that from Lukaku. You know, again, he should be loving those challenges against the Crystal Palace yesterday. A good physical challenge where he can get in, barge players and use, you know, he spoke about this, this new physical presence he had from eating properly and all this sort of stuff when he came back. Again, seven touches. <laughs> so... Yeah, he, look, he had Mark Gurhey, which we know, Chelsea Academy, going against him, mm-hmm. 21 years old. And he had Joachim Anderson, a 25-year-old Dutch center back. My guess is Anderson's probably similar to Christensen since they came up the same way. But, like, Lukaku is a full international, number two team in the world, Belgium, like, and he's not battering the young guys. Like, I, I, I was a little annoyed by that. But... I still think it's a midfield problem. I think we're not picking our heads up. I think it's common knowledge that Jorginho and Conte had very, very poor games from themselves. And then once Kova came on, he was a bright inspiration. Um, the other one in attack, since we don't all have to talk about Lukaku, Nick, is Pulisic. I know you were excited when you saw the lineup. Um, we're hoping to see him in uh, a, a good position for him. Uh, how did it go for him in your eyes? I, I'm going to be especially hard on him today because I think, you know, I've I've made the argument that he's been played out of position for almost every appearance this year. Um, and that is the case, frankly. Like, there there is a huge argument to be made that he is best on that left-hand side or somewhere in the middle floating around and making space for himself. And playing wingback is not something you can really judge his ability on. Like, that's it's not fair to do. Um but he he really struggled with the pace of play yesterday. He struggled to make an impact passing the ball. He did not, you know, there were a couple of moments where he took players on, made some really good touches and, and kind of made space for himself in the middle, but it wasn't often enough. And there clearly wasn't a path forward for him to, to have an impact. I mean, this was a, a pretty, pretty bad performance. And it, it sucks. I think for me, because I saw a lot of bright spots in the, in the club world cup final with him playing that floating role behind Kai and Lukaku up top. I thought there was something there because, you know, when he was able to break free, it sucked the defense up, which allowed a little bit of 
the action behind the defense, which we desperately want, but can never seem to manufacture for ourselves. So yeah, just a really disappointing day out. And, uh, you know, I know that, you know, patience has been worn thin with him basically since the project restart time. So I, I don't think if you're anti Pulisic, you yesterday's performance did nothing but uh, inspire your hatred. If you're a pro Pulisic, you're probably uh, struggling to understand, you know, how he can have an impact this season. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit right now too. I thought that, you know, having a full 90 at that, in that role behind was going to be good and it did not turn out that way. Will, obviously we're biased uh, as Americans, I guess, kind of what's your take on Pulisic Ben this season? Not great. Um, I, I look back to that match against Arsenal in the FA Cup final. I remember when he, when he tore his hamstring that time, I think it was his hamstring. And I remember seeing that player that day and I thought, yeah, we've got a real player on our hands. Somebody who I love seeing players who are not afraid to take on players and attack. And yeah, look, Nick's made a good point about being shuffled around and being played out of position. Unfortunately, it's needs being must this season. We've been very unlucky with our two wing backs, um, you know, not being available. I think we've been unlucky in the market in that position and needs must. You just have to as part of a squad. It's not nice to have to do. You just do what you can. But what I'm waiting for him is to kick on is I think there is another level to his game. I think there's a level, you know, he can be on that path to where Eden Hazard was. Um, and I'm waiting to see that. I mean, Thomas Sukel, I think, did a great thing when he came in. He he brought players to new levels. Um, Mendy, for me, wasn't a great keeper when he joined. He was decent. And he was a stopgap for six months to take the, take the light off Kepa, try and find some way to bring Kepa back into form because he was worth 70 whatever million. And, you you know, as a business, you got to look at the business side of things as well. Club didn't want to, you know, lose that. And it's it's kind of, you hope that Tuchel can bring that out of what he did for other players. Christensen, I think, is another one. Rudiger was definitely another one um, who upped their levels. And I think we need to see that from Christian. And I think when he does, as we head towards the summer and on the ground starts being a little bit more firmer, I think, yes, I look, we haven't gone on to talking about Tuchel's comments and stuff. I know you want to do that in a few minutes, but... I think that's another thing we have to take into account for everybody as a team in general and just look at it right. It wasn't a great game. We know where he wants to play. We know where he's best. And hopefully over the next six months, we can kind of see the real Christian Pulisic mature and evolve into the, the next level of player. Yeah, I mean, it's summed up well by at you need booze, which is a very dangerous Twitter handle to have if we take it literally. <laughs> um, but Dr. Nick says, what happened to Pulisic? He seems afraid to take people on, which makes him basically useless. And I think that's, Dan sums up how I think a lot of us feel. He's that attacking direct player. Remember Man City a couple years ago on the counter, we hit him and he just, he, he baited Kyle Walker and then blew by him. Mm. Um, that's the that's the player we've gotten to see in America getting to the to the end line, taking people on, going right at them. You know, like I said, we'll just talked about a lot of different positions, a lot of different roles this season. Hasn't had a lot of fluidity, but um, <laughs> definitely not his best outing today. Yesterday, well, I mean, you you have multiple attackers in this team who prefer getting the ball in motion and not having to play it off of their feet and then kind of make the move. So. I mean, Christian, I think, struggles the same way that, you know, Lukaku does because he wants to, you know, catch the ball in stride and then continue to crash in to attack and, and try to convert. And, you know, having to play back to goal, whether that's Lukaku or whether that's Pulisic receiving, there's not outlets for them to, to play off of. So, like, it's it's it's, it's tough. Like, I, I think, again, to actually to bring it back to Will's, like, through a match review, it's three points. Like, you know what? It was an ugly game. The attack was generally terrible. It has question mark concerns for what's to come in the weeks ahead. But, you know, we, we took three points when we needed to. And, you know, we had a little bit of luck where sometimes we haven't always had that this season. And that's great. So let's let's try to just be healthy through it and hope that everything else starts to build some positive momentum here, particularly as we have a cup final coming up and uh, are going back into the Champions League. Yeah, well, um, let's go ahead and, and head to that uh, subs and game management like we had alluded to. Um, we talked about earlier, 74th minute, Alonso, Kovacic, and Loftus-Cheek all came in for Conte, Jorginho, and Sar. It's good to see Ruben back. Obviously, I don't even think he went to the Club World Cup. He stayed back in 
worked on fitness to sound like pain in an Achilles, but not the one he injured. Uh, always going to be a concern for him anytime you hear Achilles uh, associated with him. Um, again, I mean, I don't know, too late for the subs, just trying to maybe save people minutes. I think in general, us uh, fans from the sidelines will, I think a lot of times have been confused by Tuchel subs, but at the same time we go, well, it keeps working. We keep winning. So I guess we just have to accept it because clearly he sees something we don't. And like I said, even just bringing Kovacic on and Alonzo, who got the assist for the game winner, makes us at least I'm not going to include you in this group, but makes the rest of us look a little bit silly when we're like, what is what is going on here? Yeah, um, I've always been at the kind of school of 60 minutes is when you need to make your your change. I think, you know, from the coaching and playing and, and different stuff like that. And obviously then watching games, I think you need to give players a half hour to, to bed themselves into a game. Yeah. You can have your impact subs for the last 15 minutes. Well, I think the thing we, we need to, again, listen, I think you're, you're really right overall when we're talking about um, it's a win. Let's, let's take the three points and move on. But when it comes to those subs, we don't know what condition the bench was in. Like Timo was on the bench. To me, it was natural to bring him on. Yeah, let's let's get his energy in around there. Kovacic was straight away missing in that midfield yesterday. Um, but again, we don't know what you know. There's so much of the the sports science in the background now, and stats telling the guys, listen, he's close to a a muscular injury of some type, etc., because he's done X, Y, and Z. Um, so look, we 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 have to tr- trust Thomas and that. And the end result is we got three points, but. Yeah, it was good to see Marcus on. I think I thought he gave us a little bit more width. Um, Kova gave us a bit more energy. Ruben, again, is still such a frustrating player for me. I've seen him so many times. Like I saw him grow up through the academy and saw him win FA Youth Cups. And I see the sort of player he can be. But sometimes yeah. you would just love to, I, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like inject some shot of energy into him to, because he's that sort of player who could grab the game by the scruff of its neck and dictate it. And he does it from time to time, but just not consistent enough. And it's getting to the stage now where I'm not sure he ever will be. Um, I remember seeing him that year when he was on loan at Palace and combining with Wilf Zaha. The two of them were frightening together. Um, and I thought, wow, this is going to be a player. But again, just not kicked on really enough. Um, was there and it seems to be happy enough to be in a squad player now at the minute. I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to judge him after coming back from injury yesterday. I think, you know, obviously played a really sloppy ball in the middle of the park, which wasn't great, but, you know, let's give him a minute to kind of bet himself back in. I think the the bigger issue here is you can't play Kovacic every minute through the rest of the season. It's clear that you need to. So, yeah. so only what Rudiger do you, many, what do, you do? Apparently, Rudiger is the only person who can seemingly play every minute of football, and it's quite wonderful and uh, remarkable. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a real fucking problem though because I don't. If you're too cool, I don't understand. Like you, you have to be frustrated, right? Because hypothetically, you can rotate one of them or bring one of them on as a sub. The three main midfielders. And it just seems like whichever one you pick to start, one of them has a bad game these days, which is probably due to fatigue and just mental, you know, fatigue as well. But it's it's uh it's terrible. And, and Kovacic has been uh, a breath of fresh air, to say the least. That probably isn't a stretch that he and Rudiger player of the season candidates right now. Just have to kind of see which one performs better down the stretch, see which one gets it, but. Yeah, it has to be frustrating. Nick, would you have kept Billy Gilmore? Um, even in hindsight, no. And it's not because I don't believe in Billy Gilmore. I just don't. At the beginning of the season, when we were going through this this stretch, I don't think that he would have gotten the minutes that he would have needed to grow. And his growth long term is far more important than filling a stopgap right now. Like that's that's my take on it. One one for the future. We hope. Uh, probably good. They had a managerial change, obviously, early in the season for Norwich to get him back in. Uh, Look, Naz tweeted that um, Tuchel talked about jet lag, colds, lack of sleep after Abu Dhabi, reasons for Chelsea's subport display today. He said he didn't expect much from his team today. Um, Dan, this this comment was called very Klopp-esque. 
And it uh, took some fans by surprise because <laughs> Tuchel usually doesn't make excuses. Were, were these excuses or was he just providing context? Tuchel is very honest. I mean, let, let's just, you know, he's very, I think, political in the way that he answers sometimes. But uh, he can be uh, jovial and he can also be uh, direct. Uh, they also kind of caught him looking back at the highlights on the uh, the big screen at the as they were kind of starting some of the uh, the post-match, pre- you know, conversation on the sidelines. But I mean, again, I, I think con- context is king. Like, yes, they had to t- take a massive flight back and forth. Yes, uh, Aspi was ruled out late. Yes, uh, Callum was unavailable. Yes, Timo just came back from being sick. Same with Ruben. Like, there, there's a lot of contribution to that. We're also seeing, you know, a Conte who's in a little bit of a decline and needs to be kind of put put in uh in plastic wrap to make sure that he kind of stays protected for periods in between matches like there, there's a lot that goes into this and so i i don't think it's actually unfair to add this context i think just the, by the nature of this sport and the way that commentary is judged people latched onto it and like i i would actually prefer the like hey like look cold's lack of sleep like these are real things that people forget about in evaluating how humans perform because it's not automatons, Nick. They are not replicants. They are not some type of android that is playing the sport for us. That's what you First think. First of all, I just want I want to know what Tugel could say that would turn you um, because I feel like this is, this was kind of weak to me. I mean, like, it, it doesn't mean that he's he was speaking dishonestly or anything like that. You know, I think the team is... The team played the most matches of any club in England through, you know, this this period, right? Like, it, there is an honest take in there somewhere. But I think to cover it up after being in the sun uh, and then having a full week to prepare for this match is, I don't know, it's not what I expected. And there's only been one other time that I remember where he's come out and said, I don't know what more I can expect from this team. And that's when there were, like, 20 COVID cases in the team and none of them could play and we were bringing in youth talent, like... He played a lot of first-choice talent yesterday in this match, and they just didn't show up or perform. I mean, like, again, I, I take the point that these were people and that it's been a rough go. The season's been fucking hard, 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 hard work. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I I would have expected a more uh, critical view on the performance yesterday than this personally so will uh at rj underscore good things wants your opinion as someone who's been on the chelsea tv team who's uh obviously heard from a lot of different managers as chelsea tend to do um what was your take on this he wants to know was it protection of the team or were they genuine reasons for subpar display well i actually think it's weird when you look at it you know you're talking about all the managers and all that sort of stuff we kind of come through different periods of different types of managers from the joseph's the carlos to the Avram Grants, whoever you want to name. But I think Thomas is fairly honest. I think the, the era of, you know, mind games and managers coming out and saying this, that, and the other, I think he just was like, you know what? We've won. It's a crappy day. It was cold. It was met. It was miserable. Palace, I always find it. I know we, we usually get wins there, but it's it's one of those grounds. You guys have been there. It's It's just... <laughs> Tough. It's hard. It's you know, it yeah. is, it is hard. And, and Nick, what you were saying as well, like it's hard to go from being in the sun, beautiful hotels to Sellers Park. It's you know, so look, I think he was just look, I'm gonna go out, I'll have private words with the lads as well. You know, he, he's got to judge it with what he said to the players in public and in private. I'm sure he'll have said to the lads, look, we were lucky today. We were damn damn lucky because forget as well, Palace had a few half little chances that, you know. Other times, and I think as well, you've made a good point. It's been a really tough season. We've had injuries in key areas, which have really disrupted the tactics of how we play. We've had a good few injuries, which has affected the depth. I don't think we signed the amount of players who would have liked last summer for whatever reason. You know, that's another topic. Um, and I think we're just getting towards, I'm not saying we're struggling to get towards the end of the season, but I think there is definitely a little bit of fatigue in there because of all the games we have played. I think it's really hard when you have to do that FIFA Club World Cup. Um, to, to And you're in other competitions. Like we've gone to the League Cup finals. That means extra games. We're still in the FA Cup. Um, we're still trying to compete for the league. It does. Yeah, the lads aren't, aren't robots. You know, the, it's natural to be tired. Yeah, they do have the best facilities to recover. They've had a week. But as I said, look, 
it's a standard comment. It's not really going to offend anybody. Main thing is we got three points. Let's move on to Lille and then let's try and prepare for next week because next week is the big one, which I think will set the tone for the rest of the, the season. Also, Palace beat City earlier this season, uh, lest we forget. So uh, they, they're capable of a, uh, a very strong result uh, and have taken a lot of teams to unfortunate draws as well. You know, I think there's a lot of teams in the hunt for a European spot who, you know, like West Ham that would have wished that they could have gotten a win for their two, you know, for both of theirs versus a win and a draw. Like there's, there's definitely a strong team in this Palace side that is more resilient maybe than we've seen over the past couple seasons too. All right. Well, I want to go ahead and uh, start to wrap this one. Uh, what better way than the most controversial part of every episode, the Dan of the match pool. That is yeah, correct. It was, not, it was not controversial this time because everybody was in the right. Well, at least uh, 90% of people were in the right with Hakim Ziyech as the winner. Um, Havertz, Rudiger, Silva all split about 3 to 4% apiece. Uh, but, you know, again, there was really no... Uh, what's, ha- what's Havertz doing in there? Havertz <laughs> uh, had a almost shout for a penalty at one point that was, uh, that was pretty cool. That was a nice boy, little run. Boy, that's... We're we're stretching we're stretching. It. I mean, who who Boys. I guess who would you have in otherwise? Because I'm like the midfield was shit. We just said Pulisic was uh, was not having a good day. Are you gonna put Big Rom in there? Or <laughs> Christian? Sorry, yeah, I, I, w- I would have just left. Look, I would have put three look, in there. The I, official like, I Chelsea account. The official Chelsea account took the coward's way out. You know, like, <laughs> I, like I don't want like to call things out, but they only put three options in the poll. I put four here, okay? It is. I put myself it, on the line. It is. It is, you're, it is. You're the hero that we needed, not the exactly, one we deserved. It is exactly. funny yeah. how much overlap there is between you and the official account for man of the match polls and strategies and things like that. So, uh, well done, Dan. Yeah. Um, Driving it. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Ziyech was always going to run away with it, so that makes sense. Um, so, as we kick some of the other uh, results from around the table... Uh, let me go back to, to what we had so far. Um, I tell you what, it was a good weekend to win gentlemen. I, I tell you that, uh, West Ham, Newcastle drew Arsenal beat Brentford two one, uh, Burnley showing up against Brighton three, nothing was a bit of a surprise but when you've had, they had the same XG in that game, by the way. Correct. It's one of the most wild stats of the season. They both had 0.65 XG Burnley won three, no. Cool. Gotta, gotta love it. Uh, Liverpool ruining my fantasy team um, without any of their starting wingbacks and beat Norwich 3-1 after an early scare. Norwich going up early. Uh, Southampton winning 2-0 uh, over Everton. Sorry, Frank. Uh, Villa losing 1-0 to Watford. That's that's ugly for Villa uh, and Stevie G. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Chelsea beating Palace 1-0. Man City losing to Tottenham 3-2. And it... Uh, <coughs> That, that's how it should have been. I mean, that is the correct Title result. race back on. Look at that fucking stat box for that game, and you will be astonished. 21 <laughs> shots, only four on target for City. Six shots, five on target for Tottenham. <laughs> 72% possession yep. for City. Uh, then Man United continuing their absolute dominance over Leeds. Uh, Leeds have to be just terrified every time they see United on the team sheet winning or the lineup, the schedule. Four to two. And as it stands, Wolves Ugh. winning one nothing over Leicester City. So um, that that. Well, by the way, Wolves are a sneaky shout for top four this year. They are they're making a play for it, man. <laughs> they are good. Yeah. So as we run through it, Man City uh, with the first red bubble in a long time. They have twenty six played, only sixty three points. Those slackers. Liverpool in second with twenty five played. Uh, 57 points so assuming they win their game in hand only three behind and they play each other yet uh, Chelsea in third with 25 played on 50 points uh, Man United behind us in 26 with 46 points obviously we have a game up on them but that gap is uncomfortably close I would say uh, West Ham in fifth on 42 Arsenal sixth on 42 but they've only played 23 matches <laughs> if they have a good run of form they go right into the top four. And then to your point, Nick, Wolves in seventh, they've only played 24 matches, and they've got 40 points. So it it's so hard to see where this is all shaking out. I mean, you can even throw Spurs in there in eight, uh, 39 points because they've only played 23 matches. So, Will, this is going to be a really confusing end to the season with all of these matches that are going to have to be made up and things like that. And, you know, you get a little bit of a run of form. All of a sudden, a team could be seventh to third in a blink of an eye. Completely. And I think 
that's the hope for us is we're on a form. Like, you know, talking to a few mates over the past few weeks, I've, I've, I've said, look, it, it can happen, but City haven't had a bad run yet. They haven't really had, you know, just, they, they've been superb. What can you say? But maybe this loss that we've seen from the stats is such a strange game. Might just get a few heads turned and, uh, you know, a little few doubts. I doubt it, but you never know. Um, and then the top four, yeah, we, we need to just, hopefully with those few players coming back, the likes of Reese James, I think will be a big impact just with his power and dynamism down that right-hand side. Mason back fully fit, I think again, leading the way. A few more goals. Hopefully Rom starts, you know, finding the back of the net. Uh, and we pick up our own little bit of form because if you look at our form since, well, and then November, December, it's not been great. It's been very, very patchy. Um, so hopefully it's our turn to come in with those, those players returning and we can kick on a little bit. You know, we win that game in hand. We're 53, what, seven ahead of United, 11 ahead of fifth place. It's not a bad place to be in. Um, but and only yeah. 10 points behind City. Stop. Yeah, yeah. L- listen, Stop I think... It. They're, they're going to beat us by 20 points to the league. Yeah, exactly. Look, let's, let's see how we go. Let's get a few trophies hopefully in the bag. You know, we're in the two cup competitions. Still in the Champions League. Champions League, I don't think, is very, very strong. I still can't see City winning that. I think they have a massive mental block on that competition. I could be wrong. Um, I don't think there's a huge amount of quality in the Champions League, so I think that's still there to be won. And then I think this summer, we get a good bit of business in. We shore up the places that we need to when it comes to the squad and really attack the Premier League for next season. Look, our, our run into the rest of the season is probably the most favorable out of all those teams up there. You know, City still have to play Liverpool United. They've got some relegation struggles. Everton leads Watford right at the yeah, end of West the season. Ham, Wolves yeah, exactly. Well. Like they they've got they've got a tough run in. Like I They I, had I, our run in from last season. Yes, correct. So yeah. anyways. But we have to then beat the teams that we struggled to beat, which are the lower table teams. I mean, like that's the it's going to be the interesting part of this, like which which trend bucks itself first? Do we start beating teams in 15th, 16th, 17th consistently through the end of the year? If so, we're in a pretty, you know, we'll, we'll for sure be top four, you know. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But then, you know, do does City struggle? I don't think so, man. Like, I really don't see it. Like, that game yesterday was an aberration. Like, that's not... That's not going to happen every week. And Harry Kane doesn't play for every team that they're going to play the rest of the season. So, look, City uh, abandoned playing defense uh, completely yesterday. And uh, and Tottenham took <laughs> advantage of it. So, you know, maybe there's a, a playbook to be had there. So but anyways, Will, it has been so good having you on the podcast. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for making time out of your busy schedule to join us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure, guys. And you're going to have to podcast live from Dublin at some stage, right? We can go to the Guinness oh, Storehouse yeah. or somewhere. You know. Booking it. Yeah. <laughs> On your I, way over to London. There we go. I love it. I love it. But yeah, everyone, uh, obviously, uh, his socials will be in the promo post. Go go give him a follow. Another Chelsea fan. Grow, grow in the community. Uh, more content this week. All right. So uh, stay plugged into the, the podcast app of your choice. Uh, another five pod banger week. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.